good to see your beautiful faces this morning. My name is Graham. I work here at Real Life. And we started Real Life for people who feel far from God so they can come here and find real life in Christ. So if that's you, if you're just coming to church, just coming back to church, just checking us out, or somebody told you that this was something other than a church and now you feel tricked, uh, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. Everything we do is for you this morning. Uh, as I said, I work here at Real Life, and my favorite part of my job is that I get to hang out with teenagers uh, as the youth pastor. And this past week, we have spent the week uh, on the Kenai Peninsula in Alaska doing our um, annual missions trip. Um, we got home last night. We pulled into this parking lot at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> so all my energy is caffeine and sugar right now. <laughs> and there's even th three of the kids made it here today. Yeah. <clears throat> So if you hear any snoring during the sermon, it's, it's probably Mike Wold out there somewhere. Um, anyways, uh, I'm super excited because uh, in two weeks on July 10th, we take over the whole service and we tell you all about our trip. We have an uh, amazing video that we show. Uh, I'm going to talk uh, about our trip specifically and how that uh, relates to our community and how we can kind of take the energy from that trip and push it out into our own valley. Um, and it's one of my favorite services. I, it really, as a whole, it seems to be one of our favorite services. So that's in two weeks, July 10th. Even if you don't know anybody who went on the trip, people just tend to love that service. So uh, overall, though, people are asking me, uh, how was the trip? And I can just tell you, it was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, if you see me standing around and my face says otherwise, that's, that's just the lack of sleep, all right? It was a very, very great trip, and we're super excited to share that with you. Again, that'll be in two weeks on July 10th, right here as we take over the service. Other than that, I wanted to remind uh, anybody who is a father out there, we still have some Father's Day presents um, out here. Uh, we always give away some great stuff on Father's and Mother's Day. So if you are a father and you didn't grab uh, a gift, grab one on your way out. We would love to celebrate uh, you, and we still have stuff to do that with. So grab that on your way out. Other than that, I'm going to say a prayer, and we're going to jump into singing. So will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for today, and I just uh, really, Father, thank you so much for this last week, this trip that you gave us. Lord, I thank you for uh, more than just keeping us safe, but uh, how much you really just kind of poured into us, uh, how evident that was uh, in the lives of our kids and in, in the lives of the kids that we were working with. Um, God, we ask that those changes, those decisions made, those uh, steps that were taken uh, would be um, just given uh, full confidence and full resources and everything else needed for our kids to move forward in their faith. And we ask for that in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, if you were here last week, you know that I wasn't. Uh, I was traveling cross-country with my mother. We started in Des Moines, Iowa, and we made it all the way to here eventually. She's alive, I'm alive, no one's in prison. So it was a successful trip. Um, she's in the house this morning, so if you're, if you're thinking, Kyle, why are you so well-behaved? Because my mother is in the room, all right? Uh, I have a few things to say. I want to greet everybody. Uh, first of all, Brewster, um, good to uh, have you with us uh, and tuning in. Thank you, Joyce and Liam, for doing the reel for us. Uh, I discovered on my trips there are other groups of people that gather to watch real life. And there's a verse in the New Testament that says, wherever two or three are gathered, the Lord's in the midst of them. So I'm paraphrasing that. And wherever two or three are gathered, it's a real life church. So uh, there's a real life Stahican. There's a group of people that gather up there. Um, 
real life Cambridge, Idaho. Have you ever been to Cambridge? Um, um, no one else has either. Uh, real life Cambridge. I think there's only two or three people in Cambridge, but my good friends Catherine and Rebecca and their families watch there. Uh, if you're online, uh, thanks for tuning in on our online campus, and obviously thanks for taking your Sunday morning and being here with us in Chelan. We are... Uh, starting to wrap up a series that we call Influence. And uh, uh, we've talked about what uh, influence is. An influencer, um, like, um, oh, let's say Selena Gomez, uh, an influencer is someone that usually is hired by a company. They're special. They say something good about your product and makes people want to buy it. All right? Selena Gomez, a little review here. She has 322 million followers on Instagram. Like I said a few weeks ago, she has 322 million real-life church, real-life Northwest, including Brewster, has 1,100. All right? So, Selena Gomez is a big deal, but not as big as Kylie Jenner. Kylie Jenner has um, 342 million. She's an influencer. I don't know if you've been influenced by her, but 342 million people have. She can make a a million dollars a post. Every time she just makes one, I don't know what you call it on Instagram, one, one grandma thing, uh, she makes a million dollars, all right? But the biggest influencer on Instagram is Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, uh, he's a soccer player somewhere in the world. Uh, he's a big deal, obviously 447 million. So uh, obviously there's all kinds of influencers, these guys, but then there's, there's other uh, lower level influencers that still get hired, still make a living, still, if, if you've got a computer or a phone or whatever, you probably have been influenced by these people. So along with Selena and Kylie and Cristiano is this guy, Mike Eisenhart. Mike Eisenhart uh, just retired as uh, the veterinarian up in Brewster. But uh, if you've ever had your pet cared for by Mike here in Chelan, just say whoop whoop. Yeah, almost everybody. Uh, Me too as well. Mike is one of the Greatest influencers in North Central Washington from, I don't even know how far go, his influence goes, up to Okanagan and, and Omak and all of us. He's cared for our pets down here. He's done that in a loving, kind, affordable, who's with me? Affordable way. He just retired a, a few months ago. Um, I want to give him a shout out for two reasons. A, he had back surgery just a few weeks ago, and he's not up dancing quite yet, all right? He uh, is listening in, I'm sure of it. And uh, he, we're just like, all right, Mike, keep going. You're, you're on the men. But the other reason is we started Real Life Chelan about 10 years ago. We started Real Life Brewster about four or five years ago. We hired Billy and Joyce, and they came, and they kind of laid the foundation. But the reason Real Life Brewster took off is because of Dr. Mike Eisenhart. He hadn't really been going to church before. He met Billy. He kind of bought into how we were doing church and what we were doing. And I'm telling you, I've seen it in action. Almost everywhere he goes, he invites people to come to his church in Brewster. He has been arguably the greatest real-life influencer that we've had, positive influencer that we've had uh, since we started. So I just want to give Mike a shout-out and uh, say, hang in there, get better. Uh, uh, We'll see you soon. All right, if you want to be an influencer, if you're here today... All of us usually are, there's three groups of people, right? You're here and you're a follower of Jesus. You like coming here. You, you bought into the mission of real life to help people who are far from God find real life in Christ. And you're here and 
you want to be a positive influence on people around you that aren't yet followers of Jesus. Then there's another group of us who were maybe here for the first time or in a long time and uh, not yet a follower of Jesus, and we're still learning, searching, and, and trying to figure out our way. Then there's this group in the middle like, I used to be a Christian. I'm not a Christian. I think I am. I'm not. I, I'm, and the world and life has been so chaotic, I'm not sure where I'm at. So wherever you are in that spectrum, so glad you're here. You are in the right place. But if you're a follower of Jesus, in order to really be an influence, like a lot longer lasting than Selena Gomez, even though she's a quality person, I'm sure. But you could be an influence for all eternity, to, to use a phrase, by doing this. At some point, you have to leave your circle of comfort, hanging around the people who think and believe and act like you, and move to the zone of the unknown where you become an influence and encouragement to people who aren't anything like you. And the problem with Christianity is once we become a follower of Jesus, we stay in our, our known area. And over time, and it doesn't take long, we look around and we were, are only surrounded by other Christians and people who believe like us, politically, morally, everything. And so there's no one to influence because everyone's influenced. You're all the same. So the reason it's so important if you want to be a follower of Jesus is because influencing people who don't know Jesus you become most like Jesus when you help lost people get found. It's the reason Jesus showed up. That was, I mean, there's no secret there. That was his mission. And that's the mission we're on too, no matter what. And this morning, I just want to uh, boil things down really simply, all right? As simply as possible. In fact, some of you will leave here, especially if you're from uh, other places with real churches and real pastors. You'll leave here and you'll say, that was just too basic, too simple, all right? That's the point, all right? Uh, I want to move to, uh, uh, um, just to boil down, like, when it comes to talking about Jesus, when it comes to talking about faith, uh, what do you say? What do you have to believe? Because being an influence is simple, all right? Uh, uh, there's a verse, uh, Peter, who hung out with, with Jesus, and he after Jesus left the earth and Peter and others were trying to get people to live out the teachings of Jesus in their life, he says to this, to people who care about being a positive influence, care about making a difference in the world, he says this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Tune in next week because we're going to hang out on the gentleness and respect. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have every right to share your faith, to share the hope you have. Even you can share your views about things with gentleness and respect. Right now, in this country, today, there is a big division and a lot of emotion out there. And some of you maybe walked in this morning celebrating, and others of you walked in this morning very disappointed. The issue doesn't matter. We can talk about the issue. If you want to have coffee, I'll talk about the issue with you. All right? But the foundational truth, if you are going to call yourself a follower of Jesus, you are loving and caring and respectful no matter the issue, especially with people outside the faith. One additional comment. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you can act however you want. You don't have to be nice and kind. There's no compulsion for you to do that, and I'm not going to require you to do that. All right? But if you're a follower of Jesus... 
and you want to be a follower of Jesus, you have to respond and act that way, no matter the issue. If it's a Supreme Court issue, if it's a marriage issue, if it's a, if it's a, a quality of life, whatever that is, tune in next week. Let me give you some simple facts, all right? Because uh, people like me who wear a microphone on Sunday morning have made the message of Jesus so complicated. The gospel, which, which is the, the, the Bible word for good news. I got some good news for you. We've made it and complicated. As soon as the first Jesus leaves the planet, Christians start forming, and they, uh, uh, and they start meeting together. And they weren't, it was kind of outlaw faith, right? So they met in caves or catacombs. As soon as that one group meeting in the catacomb got mad about something in their catacomb and started a new church in a different catacomb, all right, things got complicated. They're meeting in this catacomb. They wanted to start at 10. They changed it to 1030, and they said, we're not meeting here. We're, starting our, we're, we're now the, the first catacomb church, uh, the, the second catacomb church. You know what I'm saying? As soon as we started doing that, everything got complicated. So let me give you some simple facts. First of all, acceptance. Everybody gets in the same way. Everybody is accepted by God through Jesus the same way. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't, there's not a bunch of different ways. Oprah likes to say there's all kind of ways to get to Jesus, but there's only one way to get to God. And if Oprah said it, it must be true, right? That your, the roads that have taken you all over the place hopefully lead you to Jesus because Jesus is the only way to get there. But you don't have to earn that. Everyone gets in the same place. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what kind of family. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter who you're married to, what, if you're married or not. In order to become a follower of Jesus, it's the same process for every single person. The opposite of that is rejection. Some of you listen online or in other places, in Brewster or otherwise, and sitting here this morning are like, yeah, I don't buy this Christianity stuff. And I think a lot of us, the people I've run into in the last 10 years especially, we don't buy it because we're rejecting a form of Christianity that isn't really the good news that Jesus came to offer. We are rejecting something that's not even Christianity. So when the subject comes up, you're like, yeah, I don't believe in that. Well, why not? Because my parents went to a church, and when they divorced, uh, they kicked us out. Well, that's not the love of Jesus. That's not the gospel. That's not good news. I had a friend who called himself a Christian and uh, dated my girlfriend behind my back. That, that, hey, for a dude in college, that's just a Tuesday. All right, but that's not Christianity. That's not, that, that's not the gospel. That We have rejected what we thought. Some of us think, I can't be a follower of Jesus because I'm not a Republican. Politics has nothing to do with following Jesus. So this morning, I want to lay out what exactly the good news is so that if you choose to reject it, and, 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 I, and I pray you don't, but if you do choose to reject it, at least you know the truth that you're rejecting. All right? So let me give you what uh, Christianity, what being a follower of Jesus is not. All right? These are things that are simply wrong that a lot of us have picked up along the way. First of all, becoming a follower of Jesus has nothing to do with attending church. And all of you are like, oh, you know. Some of you have been enduring my preaching for the last six months thinking you're going to get to heaven that way. You're like, oh, man, there's a better way? Yeah, there's a much better way. 
Attending church, you've heard this before, attending church is like eating at McDonald's and think you're going to become a Big Mac, right? Just be attending church, you're going to be a Christian. Eating at McDonald's, you're going to be a Big Mac. You can eat every meal at McDonald's for every day for a year, and you'll never be too all be patty special sauce, less cheese, pickles, onions, on a sesame seed bun. You just never will. You'll never be the Big Mac, all right? Two, this is a big one. Being a good person, all right? We think that, at ju- that God looks us at, at us be- as good and bad. And if we do more good than bad, when our time comes and we take our last breath on this earth and we stand before God, he's going to weigh out our good and weigh out our bad. And if we got more good than bad, or if you look around, you can do that in the room right now if you like. You're like, well, I'm better than that person. I, obviously, I'll get in. That's just wrong. That's not how God judges. How good do you have to be? What's the standard? Some of us think you can never know if you get to heaven because you don't know how good, you, how good is good. And you just cross your fingers and hope you get in. Not true. Praying a prayer. Some of you were raised in this tradition that if we just get the people we care about most to, to pray the sinner's prayer or to pray a prayer, then that guarantees them. doesn't matter what the rest of their life looks like or really what they believe. Just if they say a prayer, everything will be good. Listen, we can have coffee later and, and debate and talk about it if you want, but there's no place in the Bible where we're instructed to say a prayer in order to become a follower of Jesus. Finally, committed effort. If you try really hard, you can get to heaven. If you try really hard, God will allow you into his family. I've said this before. Anytime you hear someone talk about God or you read someone who talks about God, after they get done, ask yourself this question. Did they just ask me to try harder or trust more? Because our greatest effort will never be enough to match up to what the requirement of, is for God to be part of a relationship with us. So two questions. Uh, Hopefully, in the next 20 minutes, we're going we're gonna to answer these. Um, if you can just simply, like, uh, I remember a story, maybe you've heard this before. Vince Lombardi, arguably one of the greatest football coaches in NFL history. Uh, Green Bay Packers, they won all the time. And they had had a particularly bad game. And so that next Monday morning, all the players are gathered in, all these famous Green Bay Packers. And he says, listen, you guys were so bad and played so horribly Sunday, we're going to start for the basics. And he goes over, he grabs a football, and he says, fellas, this is a football. Started from the basics. I heard a story about John Wooden, the greatest uh, basketball coach in the history of college basketball. If you want to argue with that, you're wrong, all right? Uh, (laughs) Just statistically, in every way, he just was fantastic. But coaches from all over the country would come for a clinic and part of that clinic was uh, whoever was hosting him would bring him into a practice and they'd sit down and they'd watch John Wooden do a, a, a practice. And so the host brought this group of coaches in particularly late and the practice was already in session. And John Wooden was in the middle of a tirade, yelling and scolding this one kid, going on and on. And, and so all these coaches that came in thought, what did the guy do? Did he cuss at him? Did he talk back? Did he not run out to the court? Did he give up baseline? I mean, what, what, what horrible thing did he do? And a kid had passed the ball to somebody else, and instead of passing 
palms out, thumbs down, right? Basic, if you've ever played basketball, the kid just threw it like this. And John Wooden had a fit because he knew doing the basics is what makes people successful. So here are the basics. Here, if you want to talk about your faith in a very succinct, easy, simple way, here it is. If you want to understand if, for the very first time what it is, what's the basic, what's the simple message to be part of God's family, here it is. And it's two questions. What do you need to know? And what do you need to do? So that when you talk about faith, you don't have to explain the difference between evolution and creation. Or the four horses in Revelation. Good luck. Or the Antichrist and the abomination of desolation and the Old Testament law and why the Old Testament this and why are there so many Johns in the New Testament? How all the Bible fits. You don't have to do that. I'm not saying that stuff's not important. I'm saying when we talk about faith, when you want to understand simple, basic faith, here it is. And it's the verse that probably is the most famous verse in the Bible. So famous that In-N-Out Burger, Forever 21, Tim Tebow, all famous people we like, uh, have all, all display it. John 3.16, did you know that? Is that? If you're familiar with In-N-Out, there's one coming to Boise. Is there one in Seattle? I don't think so. Because uh, Seattle's God forsaken. They wouldn't allow. Uh, it, uh, that's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. It's a joke. Um, Tim Tebow's not allowed in there either. It's, uh, uh, so the verse of John 3 16, and you've probably have heard it before or seen some guy in a rainbow wig uh, on, on, in the 70s and 80s at football games with, with the sign. John 3 16 says this For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, some of you are like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. I've heard that before. But this breaks down so simply what Jesus came to offer. A guy comes to Jesus at night who is part opposite of Jesus, who's part of the controlling, uh, religious, manipulating, pharisaical, hypocritical class. And he sneaks around and finds Jesus and he says, Jesus, I want to go to heaven. What do I got to do? And Jesus says, here it is, simply. The first thing you got to know, two things you got to know. The first thing you got to know, God loved. That God loves you, he's not mad at you, he's not chasing you, he uh, doesn't want to punish you, that God loves you. It, it, it's the greatest message that we miss. Again, I've told you this before, I, most of the podcasts I listen to are podcasts of people that don't agree with my same worldview. Everything from um, armchair um, expert to smart list to Conan needs a friend. And listen, you can judge me on, on all that, all right? Uh, and if you say, Kyle, are you recommending them? No, I'm not recommending. All right, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to listen to me and think, oh, but we got a heretic for a pastor. That may be true, but that's not why, all right? I like listening to people I don't agree with because I want to be an influence in people outside of my comfort zone. I want to interact with people that don't look and talk and think the same way I do. All right? But the message when religion comes up on all those podcasts is always, God is so judgy. When I was a kid, we were scared to death because the message was Jesus died for you and it's your fault and you killed him. And, and the, the, they're still hanging on that they, 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 they were exposed to faith when they were a kid and they grew up, but their faith didn't. Listen, without a doubt, 
This is what you got to know. God's crazy in love with you. Not mad at you. We think he's chasing us. Remember for you, you old folks in the audience, uh, the Wizard of Oz? When that witch is on her bike, and she's like, dun, 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 you know, and, um, yeah. I thought God was like that all, all my grade school, middle school years. And I knew that I was doing bad, and if I knew if he caught me, I was toast. So I thought, I'm going to keep running. I'm doing all the bad I can as long as he's going to get me anyway. Yeah, that's not, the, that's not good news. The gospel's good news. If someone came and said, hey, I got good news for you. God's super mad at you, and he's going to get even. That's not good news. That was never the good news. Here's why God loved you. Next part of the verse. Jesus says, God so loved the world that he gave. That people in love give something. And here, this is a part that is so hard to fathom. Whether you're hearing it for the first time or you're hearing it again for the umpteenth time. Is that God gave his one and only son as a sacrifice. And that seems so far out there. That A, that there's this God the uncreated creator of the world, and he happens to have a son. And then God looked at the mess down here. He looked at your sin now and in the future, everybody's sin, all the stuff that keeps us from relationship with God. God's holy, we're not. And instead of making us pay and punish us for it, he sent his own son to receive our punishment to make a way, to make a bridge in order for us to have a relation with God. And you're like, I don't get that. I don't believe it. Okay, all right. But that's the teaching of Jesus. That's what Jesus showed up to do. The mission from the first Christmas until his death and resurrection, his mission, he was a baby born to die and give us life because we couldn't save ourselves. We needed a Savior. And God says, I love you, and I'm going to prove it. Now, we look at this, and for some of us, that doesn't fit in with how we felt and how we thought about God. We thought he was pursuing us because he's mad, but he's pursuing us because he wants to rescue us. Have you ever had this horrible experience? One of your kids, little, maybe you're babysitting them, maybe you're watching them, maybe they're three or four, and they go running, they're going running out into traffic, all right? What kind of parent or caregiver says, well, let's see what happens here, right? If it was, it's going to be my youngest one, if it's Olivia when she was three or four, she's running, I'm running as fast as I can, and I'm yelling her name, you know? And there's a moment where Olivia's going to think, uh-oh, dad's mad. And she's going to take off into traffic maybe because she doesn't understand that it's a loving maneuver. I'm trying to rescue her. I'm trying to save her. And I may get to her, and I, I may be mad because I'm just a, a, a normal messed up dad. But we feel the same way. We're about, and we're in the midst of traffic and danger, and, and not only is it affecting us in this life but in life to come, and God runs to rescue you and give you an answer so you don't have to suffer the torment or the trouble or the pain of running out into traffic. God pursues us because he loves us, 
and wants to rescue us. So what you need to know is that God loved you, God loves you. And he proved it because he gave his only son. Now, that's what you need to know. What do you need to do? And here's where a lot of us who haven't been to church for a while or ever, like, okay, here we go. Here's the fine print. Here's where the preacher boy asks for money or tells me I have to uh, shave my head. Uh, I can't, I got to stop doing that. Don't go there. Don't touch that. Don't, don't say that. Don't believe that. Now, let me give you two simple things you, you need to do. Just said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, not perish and have eternal life. We believe. That's one thing we need to do. And the word there is really interesting. So when John wrote down these words of Jesus, John was there, saw it all happen. John wrote it down. He wrote in Greek. And when he gets to this word and he wrote it down, the English word believe, when you combine what's around it in Greek, means to trust in. All right? Not just to believe that, but to actually trust in. For example, I can say, you've heard me do this before, this is classic middle school youth group uh, illustration. I can say that I believe this is a chair. I can uh, uh, gather a small group of people every week, every Tuesday night at my house, and we can talk about, we really think this is a chair. In fact, we like the chair. I could go across country and around the world telling people about the chair. You know, this chair used to be in Chelan, used to be in the uh, Performing Arts Center. And I, I, I can tell everybody that it's your, I can, de, I can describe to you how the chair works. If I was smarter. It's got four legs. It does this somehow. Um, lasers, I think. I'm not sure. Uh, spins in a circle. I can tell you everything about the chair, okay? But I don't trust in the chair. I can believe facts about the chair, and I can tell you stuff about the chair. But that's not what John's talking about. John's talking that once you understand that God loves you and God gave his son for you, that you don't have to run, that he pursues you because he wants to rescue you, that you now can believe, not facts about Jesus or stuff about God, but you, you trust in, you move from belief to trust when you sit down and like, okay, now I'm acting as if I know what the chair is and what it does. Because until I put my weight on the chair, I don't trust in the chair. Some of us have thought that if we believe stuff about God, I believe in God, I believe that God exists. Okay, that's a great, great, great start. But John's saying, when you understand the sacrifice of Jesus and the love of God, you're going to run to trust him. Because there's no better option in this life than the one to come. Not only do we believe, but the second thing we do, that, so let's, uh, let's review real quick, Deacon. God loved, God gave, we believe. There's one last thing. Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And the have is meaning when you're given something, like, hey, I gave you this, you receive something, right? So we believe and we receive. To have something means we receive. And that thing is a word we use, and it just becomes just a, 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 a churchy word. But John says, 
When you believe, when, when you trust in, not just believe stuff about God, when you trust in Jesus, you receive eternal life. And eternal life isn't just heaven. Eternal life is, 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 is more than just, I get to go to heaven someday. Eternal life is the life that starts now when you put your trust in Jesus. It's the God life that you were always intended to live. It's as if when you were born, someone came in and kidnapped you and, 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 and put you in a place and raised you in a way that you weren't supposed to. And God says, that's not good. Jesus, get down there and do something about it. And Jesus comes down, pays the ransom of your kidnapping, and frees you and releases you. Now you can live the life you were always meant to live. The good news, bad news is this. The bad news is everyone gets eternal life according to Jesus. Everybody lives forever. Once you take your last breath in this life, you continue existing, and it's not a pleasant thought. When, when Jesus says, hey, listen, you believe and you receive so you don't have to perish, perish is to live eternity separate from God. And as much as we would have fun with that or write songs about that, the fact is separation for all eternity from God is hell, not enjoyable, it's suffering. Like, what kind of God would do that? No, not this God. God shows up. He loves you. Sends a son, gives a son as a sacrifice for you. Offers you the gift of salvation and eternal life. He says, here you go. Not sending you to hell. Not forcing you to hell. The sin, your separation, all this stuff. I know it gets really complicated. No one likes to talk about But the good news is, hey, I know a God who's crazy about you and proves it through Jesus. And he's offering you a way out and a way up. It's so weird because... We would think we understand that. But we ask this question all the time, right? What's going to happen to me when I die? What happens after we die? Even if you're an agnostic or you're an atheist, you're like, you're answering that question sometime. It's so ridiculous because we go to funerals, right? We, We go to the cemetery afterwards and we see our loved one in a casket put in the ground. But we still say, I wonder what happens when we die. Well, the simple answer is you get put in a box and buried, right? But we know that's not it. Something inside us, in our soul, in who we are, knows there's more to life than just this life. So what's going to happen to you when you die? Eternal life, when Jesus mentions it, eternal life is real life. Not just you only get eternal life if you go to real life church. All right? Eternal life is the life, the real life you're always meant to live. In a world that's totally messed up by sin and disappointment, heartache and pain, all that stuff. So, what do you need to know? God loved. God gave. What do you do? We believe, we trust in, and then we receive. We don't earn. It's a gift. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to keep being good. After you decide to trust in Jesus and you mess up, you're still in. You're like, hey, wait a minute. What about this sin? What about that sin? What about that sin? That's not your business or my business. When you trust in Jesus, he takes care of that stuff. 
yeah, but I saw that person, uh, they drink way too much, and, and, and uh, they just put their faith in Christ. Well, let's let Jesus work that out. Yeah, but I saw them looking at dirty magazines. That's not even your business. Let Jesus work that out. Yeah, they're dating so... That's, let Jesus work that out. Because when you put your faith, when you trust in Jesus, and some of you who are followers of Jesus in a long time know this, right? You start changing. I'm not as big. I'm a jerk. I'm not as big as a jerk as I used to be. Someone say amen. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Um, not my wife, my mom. Um, <laughs> that's a little nickname we have for each other. Uh, so, we believe and then we receive. Where are you at? If you're in Brewster, where are you at? You're like, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. If someone comes and says, hey, why are you at that church? Why do you follow Jesus? Well, it's a simple message. At one point, I understood that God loved me, and he gave his son for me in sacrifice. And when I understood that, that I was separated from God, I like, well, duh. Tell me what I need to do. So I chose to believe and trust in Jesus, and then I received eternal life, both that starts today and for all eternity. That's the message. You don't have to talk about the Supreme Court. You don't have to talk about who's president. You don't have to talk about the war in Ukraine. You can do all that, sure, but that has nothing to do with a relationship with God through Jesus. So what do you do now? Let me give you three next steps. Uh, in the book, I, I, um, I was in Boise last weekend. I did a wedding for my best buddy, Huey's daughter, Courtney. Up... Uh, at the wedding venue up in Warm Lake by Cascade, Idaho. If you've been there, it's really a gorgeous place. Um, one of Huey's uh, granddaughters, who listens every week, she's like seven or eight or whatever, she says to me, she calls me Uncle Kyle, Uncle Kyle, why do you talk about the blue card so much? <laughs> and I'm like, well, first of all, thanks for paying attention. Second of all, don't be disrespectful, Uncle Kai Kai, I'm going to whoop you. Uh, I said, thanks for, listen, I'm so glad you pointed that out because she listens every week. And some of you come here every week or listen every week online or in Brewster or otherwise. The blue cards are really important to us. They're in your bulletin. Here's why they're important. They're our connection card. There's one online. You can fill one out here. You can go online on the church app to fill it out. But it's our connection to you and you to us. It's the way we communicate best and hear from you. If you've got a prayer request, we've got a team that prays for every single concern. If you're new and you want connection, if you're looking for a small group, if you just have a question about what we talked about this morning, whatever you need, the blue card, both online, on the church app, and in your hand, in person, is super important. Also, we always have three next steps on the back of that blue card. We want you to listen to what's going on and choose to do something with that. If, Wherever you are in your journey of faith, that's why the blue card is so important. First, next step. Live out a loving lifestyle toward other people. And then, offensive alert. I should, we should get a slide, Ashton, when I'm about to offend somebody. Listen, if you're a jerk, don't talk about Jesus. If your neighbors don't like you because 
you're a bad neighbor, don't talk about Jesus. If you are, if your influence on Facebook, you're always arguing with somebody about something, don't bring up Jesus. If that's offensive, come talk to me. We can go have coffee. Because you're not paving the way. You have lost your influence for Jesus based on your, your need for political influence. You have lost your influence for Jesus based on your need to have a tree cut down in your neighbor's, neighbor's yard because it's blocking your view. If you're a bad neighbor and then you go, hey, can I tell you about the love of Jesus? They're going to say no because we've seen the lack of love of you. You can't talk about Jesus if you're not a loving, caring person. Then you say, yes, you can. Yeah, but no one's listening. In fact, you're probably doing the exact opposite. If you're a judgmental, hypocritical person and your friends and people around you know that, then when you start talking about Jesus, they think he's the same way. So a good place for you to start if you're a follower of Jesus that struggles with that is start being kind. Start being patient. Start being loving. Start listening to people's opinions that are different than yours instead of arguing. Now you've paved the way when you get a chance. You've developed relationships. You, 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 you've decided to listen to stories of other people instead of tell yours. Now you become a person that's living out the love of Jesus in people's life. And now when you start to talk about Jesus, they're going to lean in and listen. Next step. At some point, when you have an opportunity, just lay out the good news for those who are far from God. I personally wouldn't go door to door. You can. I don't think it's the best method. I wouldn't beat people up with all your information and knowledge that you have about God. I would simply lay out the message. I would start with the people you care about most right around you who are far from God, don't know Jesus yet, and simply explain that God loves them, that God gave Jesus that they can choose to believe, to trust in Jesus, and then they receive, they have eternal life. It's the simplest way I can remember and talk about it. And you will be shocked on what happens. There's been a number of times where I've kind of gone through the routine of talking about Jesus. Uh, my stepsister Angie's here today. Way back in the day, I don't know how long ago it was, uh, she decided she wanted to get married, so she and her fiancé, Trace, I met with them and did the premarital counseling and all that stuff, and the question I ask everybody is, hey, tell me where you are faith-wise, because it's going to be difficult if you believe in Jesus and you don't, or you're a Jew and you're a Catholic. I mean, it, marriage is hard enough. So tell me where you are faith-wise. And they were both like, well, we really don't have a faith. We've gone to church and before, but we really don't understand. So I just kind of laughed at the gospel, probably a lot like I just did. To be honest with you, I was just kind of getting it out there because I felt it was my duty. So I get all done, and like, uh, you know, God loved, God gave. Um, if you believe, you receive. And so there you go. And Trace says, uh, well, I think that's what we'd like to do. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, you really, let me check my agenda. Nope. I said, what? He says, I think that I believe uh, Angie and I would like to give our life to Jesus. What the heck? Listen, people responding to the good news of Jesus, it has nothing to do with the way you present it. Just get it out. It was months later where Trace and Angie stood up in front of all their friends and relatives at this pig roast reception we had in the middle of Iowa. And Trace says, hey, Angie and I gave our life to Jesus a few months ago. We would invite you all to do the same. And I'm like, what the heck? 
Listen, the power of the good news is it's good news. Even if it's delivered in a poor way. Finally, you're here if you're listening in. I would encourage you to reach out and receive the gift of God. To receive God's rescue. To receive salvation that's paid by the sacrifice of Jesus. A gift is only a gift that sits, just sits there if it's not received and opened. And this morning, whether you're sitting in Chelan or Brewster or you're listening online somewhere between Idaho or Stahican, you have heard that God Almighty offers you the gift of rescue, of salvation, of hope, of eternal life. And it's a gift you have to receive and open when you decide, okay, all right, I'm going to trust. I don't understand it all, but I'm going to trust that God is God and he offers this greatest gift of Jesus that I need in every way today and for all eternity. And I would be a jerk of a person if I didn't give you the opportunity to respond to that this morning. Maybe this is your day to say, yeah, I received that. You, you don't need to say a special prayer or come down front. You just decide right where you are. If you want to talk about that, put on your blue card, come down afterwards, talk to Billy, uh, contact us any, any way at all. We would love to uh, support you in that decision. But whether we ever see you again, the whole good news isn't that you would come and join our church or that you would visit Shalann again. The good news is that you would understand real life the way God intended you to experience it when you accept and experience the love of Jesus. I'm going to turn the service back over to Billy. Thanks, Bill. Here in Shalem, let's all pray together. God, thanks. Um, it's no accident you got us here for whatever reason. God, I ask for those of us who have yet to discover your love in a personal way in our lives and choose to trust in you, I ask that you would move in our lives now, this moment. For those of us who are struggling, have so many questions, I just ask that you would help us keep pursuing and looking for truth and come back. And for those of us who have a faith, God, and we only stick around with people who believe and think and act the way we do, I ask that you would push us to a place because we have a good the good news to share that makes a difference in people's life. And I ask that you would help us do that with gentleness and respect. God, thanks for the sacrifice of Jesus. Thanks that it proves your love for us. In his name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for being here. Have a great, great, great Sunday. See ya. Love ya. Bye.